What's the use of a pundit or a live streamer or a commentator or someone who explains what's going on in the world around us, right? There's just so many complications around us that it helps to have someone who can give you a model for, you know, understanding what's happening, who can take, you know, buzzing confusion and simplify and clarify it. So for example, during all the Russiagate controversy with Donald Trump, whenever I try to study that issue, I just get a headache. And so it helped to have someone like uh, John Mearsheimer give a simple model that it just doesn't matter. <laughs> like, okay, you know, I really tried to understand Russiagate and the Russia collusion accusations against Donald Trump. And it was the obsession with the news media, but it just had no importance and had to turn to a political scientist like John Mearsheimer to ex explain it. So uh, climate change, incredibly complicated topic, right? Like what to make all the different competing claims. And so one, you know, one pundit who seems useful to me is a scientist Bjorn Lomberg. I just don't know enough if he's if he's good, but from the tiny little bit that I know, he seems to you know, provide a little bit of clarity and a sense of proportion to this incredibly difficult, challenging, complicated matter. Now, a, a pundit or a live streamer or a stand-up comic or you know radio personality or a columnist. I, I think they're important to the extent that they can help you to see things that you otherwise wouldn't see. So guys, if indeed we're in the middle of a non-shooting civil war here in the United States, like someone like Dennis Prager, it's very important to bring, you know, bring that to the forefront of our attention. Guys, we're in the civil war. If indeed we are in civil war, which I do not believe, uh, if we are becoming more like Nazi Germany with every day, as Dennis Prager says, then if that's true, that's something important to know and Dennis Prager is providing an incredibly valuable service. <sighs> but like a good comic, right, they help you to see all sorts of things that are happening in life that you couldn't quite put your, your finger on. So Steve Saylor is useful as a pundit, like why do some uh, minority groups or sexual orientation groups, like why do they get more Pokemon points than others? And so when you have a clash between say lesbians and male to female transgenders, like how come the male to female transgenders generally win and the lesbians are the bad people? Like how do you know, you know, which groups have the most Pokemon points so that when there's a clash between different groups, you know who's, who's going to win according to the, the powers that be, according to our institutions and conventional mainstream news media. So Steve Saylor is just invaluable. Uh, how has the world changed since George Floyd, right? We've had an astronomical increase in murder and in driving deaths and pedestrian deaths as we have incentivized the police to step back from policing, right? So Steve Saylor presents this really simple explanation, which is just far more useful and powerful than, you know, all the other competing explanations for what's happening with the world around us. So. I think I get more wisdom, more profundity, like more useful explanations, more sophisticated, you know, top-down models for how the world works from Steve Saylor's blog than any other source. So then the other thing that a, a pundit or a personality, a comic, a public figure, a public intellectual can do 
is they can give you more sophisticated bottom-up models to you know help you understand what's going on inside of you so I've been doing a lot of research on anxiety and there was some great Doc Snipes videos, so D-O-C-S-N-I-P-E-S, Doc Snipes YouTube channel on anxiety, that uh, anxiety is basically we're in fight, flight, freeze, and we have this elevated response to threat, and when our anxiety is debilitating, we have an elevated response to threat that's out of proportion to the reality of the situation that we're in. And she made some really simple explanations that helped me understand anxiety. So I got more sophisticated bottom-up models to understand myself. So that was really helpful. Then there are people who just embody a calm or an ease or just a more adaptive approach to life. And it's not in anything they say. It's not, it's not necessarily in their top-down models or their bottom-up models or their comedy. It's just in who they are, how they speak, how they interact, how they deal with criticism and pressure. So you can, you can imbibe like more adaptive ways of, of living, like calmer, more effective, more efficient, uh, happier ways of approaching things, approaching conflict, uh, dealing with other people, dealing with difficult situations, dealing with yourself dealing with the confusing world around you. Like some people can just embody a, a sense of ease and calm and efficiency and effectiveness and a sense of humor and, uh, and a joy. And so that can be incredibly powerful. So if you feel like you're on a mission from God, right, that can be an incredibly powerful thing, powerful trip to be on. So, you know, teaching God's will for us, what, what preachers and pundits offer. You know, they're here to teach us God's will. And like, what can be more important than communicating God's will to us? Right? My, my father devoted his life to teaching salvation. So if salvation to the next world, eternal life in the next world is depend upon, you know, assenting to the belief that Jesus died for your sins on a cross 2,000 years ago, then yeah, that is the most important thing in this world, right? If the most important thing in this world is to get that guaranteed ticket to the next world where you can live forever, live in bliss, live with your, your family and your friends and your loved ones and be forever with God, just rocking it out in heaven, there's absolutely nothing more important. And so that mission would fill my father with tremendous passion and joy and helped him, you know, overcome all shortcomings and, setbacks in his life because, you know, he had a mission from God. And Dennis Prager is another person who feels like he has a mission from God. So a mission from God, man, it provides you with strength and energy and power and purpose and usually community and, uh, you know, reason to, to go on living. On the other hand, mission from God is not really a falsifiable thing. So you could spend your entire life on something that has no basis in reality. Now, there is a falsifiable thesis if you claim, like, I think Dennis Prager would claim the most important belief you can have is ethical monotheism, that God, the prim primary demand of you is that you behave ethically, that you are good to the rest of his creation. And so that absolutely makes sense to me, except I have found in my life that uh, Ali Alexander bowing away from public life. So I found in my life that the big, sophisticated, top-down models really don't matter that much. Uh, so, Claire, you asked me earlier 
I think it was you, you know, how does belief in God lead to mental health? And just from my own empirical life experience, belief in God doesn't seem to make that, seems to make virtually no difference in most people who believe or don't believe. But, but where I do notice a difference is if people believe that God wrote the Bible. So I notice when people believe that God wrote every word of the Bible, they almost always tend to belong to an organized religious community, which then provides them with interpersonal connections. They're much more intense and regimented and demanding and disciplined level than people who simply believe in God. So yeah, it's, a, it's possible to believe in God and it makes you know, no practical difference in your life. That's what I see in America. And for most people who believe in God or don't believe in God, I don't see it making any practical difference in their life. But, and this is Dennis Prager's point, people who believe that God wrote the Bible, that almost always makes a difference in their life. Now, it doesn't necessarily make them better, but it does change them because it does almost always chain them, connect them to an organized community, which then will discipline them, keep an eye on them, provide models for them, guide them, so you kind of don't have nearly as much freedom when you believe God read every word of the Bible. So that would be a belief that would seem to make a difference in people's behavior, but again, it doesn't necessarily make people better. So plenty of people become religious, join an organized religious community, and they will treat their in-group better, but they will be more obnoxious or more difficult to deal with. What revelation will sink Nick Fuentes? I don't anticipate any revelation sink, sinking Nick Fuentes. He seems to have really good shock, shock absorbers. Like, he seems to deal really well with the slings and arrows of, of fortune. And I just see nothing untapped to sink Nick Fuentes. He seems to be very appealing to, you know, a crowd with an average IQ of around 100. And that's his audience, and he's very effective uh, talking to them. But generally speaking, I don't see top-down beliefs, theological, philosophical, making that much of a difference. People can claim all sorts of religious and philosophical beliefs, and uh, usually doesn't make much difference to their behavior. Like people, if need a fundamental reordering of the their inner worlds, of their soul, of their psyche, of their, their emotions, a fundamental reordering that can either come as a result of genuine human connections, like uh, getting a wife, having kids, joining a community, uh, friendships, like one good friend can completely revolutionize your life. Or people can go through some sort of transformative experience, such as a 12-step program or good therapy. Uh, learn to feel more at ease with themselves and then out of that they become more at ease with other people and then start adding in more concrete human connections to their life and community and uh, friendship and uh, then they get passion, meaning, purpose and uh, genuine you know, pro-social excitement and commitments. So sometimes the reordering can come through 12-step programs therapy possibly uh, forms of religion or some sort of community or even you know hobby maybe you know archery can can uh, promote a reordering so as you see in the movie the weatherman stirring nicholas cage but usually all these things are effective 
to the extent that they connect you to a genuine community. So when people convert to Orthodox Judaism, the primary test is can you join and live well in a community? And then once you get connected to a community, it's very hard to leave. If you're just pragmatically joining Orthodox Judaism to get married or for some pragmatic reason, and you don't form those deep, strong bonds with people, then when it's no longer in your interest to be part of the community, you can just leave. And this happens. Like, I know people convert to Orthodox Judaism, get married, and then if they get divorced 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years later, they then leave Orthodox Judaism because the only reason they, they joined up was, you know, to get married and, you know, to, you know, raise kids together in a coherent home. So I don't know how one could join effectively an Orthodox Jewish community for 25 years and then drop out, but it happens. <laughs> you know, it happens. I would think that the bonds you would form would, would prevent that. So the easiest way, I think, to get reconfigured internally to be you know, more adapted to life and to be more effective in life is to develop good friends or to develop your relationships with your family, your extended family. And that has like a calming effect on the psyche, which then reduces your chances of acting out, which then makes it easier for you to form other connections. And then you form virtuous circles. And as you, as you connect with people in an effective way, you get more energy. As you get more energy, you can do more great things with your life. As you're more energized, you'll bring more energized people into your life. When you're down, dour, despondent, apocalyptic, uh, hopeless, then you're not going to attract decent people into your life. And, you know, people who are earning, people who are achieving, and people who do have love, commitment, families, marriages, community, and good things in their life, they're not going to want you around because you're going to contaminate and bring them down. Why would anyone want someone like that in their life? So easiest way to reconfigure internally is to have the, have the absolute pleasure of, of friendships. But sometimes through good therapy, good practices, meditation practices, good, good hobbies or whatever, you can reconfigure internally and then that overflows into more effective relationships and then you're building virtuous circles. So your relationships improve, which helps your internal configuration improve. And as your internal configuration improves through things like Alexander Technique or 12-step programs or meditation or other virtuous practices, then your outward world improves and these things keep feeding back on each other, providing a virtuous cycle.